Welcome to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. In this program, we want to encourage you in your Christian faith by showing how scientific evidence supports the Bible, particularly the Genesis account. The book of Genesis lays the foundation for all matters addressed in the rest of the Bible. The nature of God, His sovereignty in creation, man's purpose, sin, marriage, family, and why we need a Savior are all introduced and explained in Genesis. When we see that the first and most foundational book of the Bible can be trusted in all matters, including science, it builds confidence in the rest of the inspired Word all the way to Revelation. Joining us on today's show is Dr. Tim Clary, geologist and research associate with the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Clary. Today we're going to talk about some of the secrets of the flood that you might not have thought about. For example, where did the water come from to flood all of the earth? And did the plates really move rapidly? Really, Was there a Pangaea and did the plates and the continents move apart during the flood? Our third question we'll look at is where did the water go? How do you get the water off the land back to the oceans where they are today? And fourth and finally, we'll look at why was there an ice age? Was there a reason for the ice age that came along after the flood? So we're going to try to reveal some answers to some of these questions you might have had, uh, revealing, again, the purposes behind God's judgment of the earth. The flood began, it says, in the book of Genesis 7, 11, and 12, where all the fountains of the great deep were broken up and the windows of heaven were opened and there was an intense rainfall for 40 days. But the flood didn't end in 40 days, contrary to what a lot of people think. The flood went on for a little bit over a year, 371 days total between when Noah got on the ark and when Noah got off the ark. And the flood reached its highest level 150 days into the flood. So the 40 days was just a period of intense rain, and then water kept getting higher and higher until day 150 when it started to slowly go down. So the waters prevailed. There was catastrophic erosion, deposition, all these rocks laid across the earth that we see today, these sedimentary rocks, the fossils, everything else, the world perished, it says in 2 Peter 3, 6. So the world that then was is now gone. Some of the water, for our first question, we're wondering where the water came from. Some of the water probably came from inside the earth in the upper mantle. The rifting the Bible talks about, uh, we think, as the fountains of the great deep went off. There are big rifts that went across the earth in many, many locations. And scientists recently found that there is triple the amount of water in the upper mantle even today, than there is on the Earth's surface. So a tremendous amount of water locked in the rocks below the crust all over the Earth. So it's not a surprise that some of that water came up as part of the fountains of the Great Deep during the flood. We see evidence of rifting up the east coast of the United States from Nova Scotia and Canada all the way across Boston down to North Carolina. We see rifting evidence in the mid-continent from Lake Superior down across Iowa and Minnesota and all the way across the edge of Nebraska. And then we see the rift valleys out in the oceans. In every ocean, we see rift valleys that go run up the lengths of the oceans. The Mid-Atlantic Ridge, for example, is a mountain range under the ocean that's 10,000 feet high. Uh, it doesn't make it to the surface except at Iceland, but most places it's still a big mountain range. Evidence of rifting where magma and water came squirting up out of the earth. So it's possible these rifts were part of the fountains of the Great Deep. So we have water from the fountains of the deep, from probably from the mantle of the earth, but we also have water that was in the pre-flood oceans. And the pre-flood oceans were likely pushed up. As you form new ocean crust during the flood, that new ocean crust is going to be hot, like a hot air balloon. And hot air rises, hot crust also rises and pushes the water above onto the land. So if you think about your bathtub, and suddenly the bottom of your bathtub rises up, it's going to push the water over the top. And that's exactly what we think happened during the flood. Much of the water, the flood of the earth, probably came from the pre-flood oceans. 
As you make new ocean crust, moving the continents around, you're going to push the water up from below. One of our, my geology colleagues, Andrew Snelling, has estimated that maybe a mile of water was pushed onto the continents, a mile deep of water just by the oceans pushing up from below. So between the fountains of the deep bringing water up from the mantle and the bottoms of the oceans rising during plate movement, we can easily flood the entire Earth. So let's look at our next question. Did the plates move rapidly? In catastrophic plate tectonics, we creation geologists believe that the plates move not slowly like we see today, but they move very, very rapidly. Instead of centimeters per year, we're talking meters per second. And the most of this plate movement occurred during the flood. We see lots of evidence of plate movement. We see the ocean ridges we talked about. We see the temperatures at those ocean ridges are still very, very hot, and they cool in each direction as you go away from there. We see the earthquake pattern around the Earth, which marks the boundaries of the plates. We see the volcanoes, like the Ring of Fire around the Pacific, that rings these plate boundaries as well. And satellites today still show the plates are still slowly moving. But during the flood, we believe that the evidence supports there was rapid movement much, much faster than we see today. So we go back to this idea of a pre-flood Pangea or Rydenia, whatever you want to call it. And the pre-flood world seems to be some sort of version of a supercontinent that broke apart during the flood. And the split occurred because of the flood and only moved mostly during the flood. And today we're seeing very, very slow residual type movement from that plate motion that was taking place in the flood. All the ocean turned over during the flood. We see a complete new ocean crust that formed fairly recently during the flood event. And so the ocean floor is much younger than the rocks we see piled on tops of the continents. If we look at the tsunami waves that hit Indonesia and Japan the last 10 years, we see huge, tremendous amounts of water. Tsunami-like waves generated by this plate motion. So if you have the plates all moving rapidly at once, we're going to have tremendous tsunami after tsunami after tsunami coming across the continents. We're going to take a short break. Dr. Clary will have more on this important topic in a moment. The design of the human body inspires awe and fascination, and for good reason. It's made up of so many different parts and systems, all working together for a greater purpose. Check out our book, Guide to the Human Body, to discover astonishing facts about the construction of the cell, the mechanics of hands and feet, and the incredible abilities of the brain. Published by the Institute for Creation Research, Guide to the Human Body will answer questions you didn't even know you had. How do our eyes give us sight? How does a baby take its first breath? What happens to the human body in outer space? Guide to the Human Body's full-color images and easy-to-read format shows our amazing design points to the ultimate designer, God. Order your copy from the Institute for Creation Research by calling 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. That's 800-628-7640 or visiting icr.org. Welcome back to Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. Here's Dr. Clary. You may be wondering, is there evidence of rapid subduction? You know, we creationists say that the plates move meters per second, and the secular world says centimeters per year, but is there really evidence? Well, if we look over to Kodiak Island, Alaska, and I've gone out there, we've looked, we can look at rocks out there that actually show rapid movement. Rocks move so quickly so fast in general that they actually melted the rocks. And we can see rock layers that are melted that are almost a foot thick in Kodiak Island, Alaska. So we actually see evidence of runaway subduction, physical evidence right there in Kodiak Island, Alaska. And we're seeing this more and more and more in other places around the world. So the pseudotaclite, as it's called, a pseudo-igneous rock, is found in 
Best exposures in Kodiak Island, Alaska, but we see this other places as well. And we also see by our tomography, seismic tomography, which is a way to image in the Earth seismic data, we see cold slabs. The ocean crust that's pushed into the Earth and subducted and recycled is actually still cold. It comes up on the seismic as a much, much faster velocity, which indicates much colder temperatures. If these things were really millions of years old, moving centimeters per year, they would have heated up by now. They wouldn't show this cold temperature. So we see cold slabs still pushed in the earth as evidence of rapid subductions. We can look around the Pacific and see this over and over. So we can see that the place did, in fact, move rapidly. The physical evidence is there. Where did the water go? The Bible talks about in Genesis that God created a wind that helped drain off the land. The ocean basins now hold most of the water, so the ocean basins had to deepen towards the end of the flood, and the water drained back into them. So all you have to do is wait for that new hot ocean crust to cool, which took place over several months after the new crust was formed, and as it cools, things contract and sink. So the ocean crust slowly has sank back down to the depths we see today. The average depth of the ocean today is 15,000 feet deep. So a tremendous amount of water poured back into the oceans, but it took a gradual cooling of that crust and the wind that God provided to get that water off the land. So the water drained back primarily by lowering the bottom of the sea level, just like your bathtub. Again, if your bathtub sank from the bottom, it's going to drop the water level. And you see lots of evidence of volcanic activity that peaked at the end of the flood. In what's called the Tejas mega sequence, we see tremendous amounts of volcanic activity and mountain building that all formed late as a consequence of this movements of the plates. So where did the water go? Back to the oceans. Finally, we're going to look at a little bit of evidence of an ice age. First of all, was there even an ice age? And we'll look at some of that evidence as well and the reasons for the ice age. There really was an ice age. About 150 years ago, scientists debated this, but they've now realized that all the evidence points to an ice age. They try to say there were several ice ages, but the evidence is really just strong for one ice age that occurred at the end of the flood. And this ice came across my home state of Michigan and actually carved out four of the five Great Lakes. Lake Superior was formed a little different fashion. Uh, that was part of the Mid-Continent Rift. But the other four lakes were carved by these glacial lobes that came down from the Hudson Bay area towards Michigan. We can see landforms across Michigan that parallel the direction of movement, lakes that are running almost north-south, drumlins, eskers, erratics, carvings in the rocks that show where rocks gouged against each other. All this evidence was accumulated about 150 years ago, and scientists realized there was an ice age that took place, and we see that same evidence today. What is required for an ice age is very simple, snow that doesn't melt for many consecutive summers. You see snow builds up and eventually becomes ice. And so you need cooler summers and you need heavier snowfall. And the flood provides both. The flood produced tremendous amounts of aerosols from volcanic activity, all simultaneously peaking towards the end of the flood. Even today, volcanoes erupt and they cool our earth for as much as a year or two afterwards. We see during the Tejas, my research has shown that the volcanic activity did peak right at the end, just like we would expect to produce an ice age. And the heat of the oceans came about because of the new ocean crust that formed. During the catastrophic plate movement, we heat the ocean, make a whole new ocean crust out of lava. That lava is going to heat the oceans. So you're going to have more rainfall, more precipitation. And in the north, where you cool the earth with these aerosols and ash from the volcanoes, you're going to cause cooler climates. So there really was only one ice age that took place probably sometime a few hundred years after the flood. And it probably peaked about 500 years after the flood. And about the time of the book of Job was written, about the time of Abraham possibly, Job has more references to ice and snow than any other book of the Bible. 
But it also works out for the Tower of Babel. If you time in the Tower of Babel about 200 years after the flood, the glacial maximum about 500 years. Really what the Ice Age provided was a mechanism for the one continent where the Ark landed to get back to the other continents. There was no way to get there unless by land bridges. So the glacial maximum dropped sea level probably close to 200 feet. And it opened up these land bridges like the Bering Sea that allowed the animals and the humans to be able to walk back. God provided the Ice Age at the end of the flood perfect timing to allow humans and animals to get back after the flood to their various continents. Thank you for joining us on Science, Scripture, and Salvation, a radio ministry of the Institute for Creation Research. That's all the time we have for our program today, but we would love to connect with you through our website at icr.org. For over 45 years, ICR has equipped believers with evidence of the Bible's accuracy and authority by showing how science supports the Genesis creation account. Our scientists research the evidence for creation and communicate their findings through books, articles, DVD series, and conferences. Please visit our website at icr.org for more information about the latest scientific discoveries, to subscribe to our free magazine and devotional, and to locate our next creation conference at a venue near you. All of this and more at icr.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast, subscribe to Science, Scripture, and Salvation on iTunes. Also, do us a favor and rate and review the show so that more listeners can find us. Thanks for listening, and God bless.